I want to just uh, share a couple of things with you, and then I'm going to talk to you about a very important topic today, hearing the word without distortion. Last week we talked about the reality of, of believing God. Say, I'm a believing believer. And a believing believer will do several things, very simple principles. First of all, they will hear. Say, they'll hear. Then they'll believe. Say, they'll believe. And then they'll do. The problem is we can't do if we don't believe. And we can't believe if we don't hear. And hearing means what is God saying in the midst of so many other distractions and so many other voices that are out there. Jesus said it like this, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. The NLT says anyone with ears to hear should listen and actually understand. So say that with me, I have ears to hear. The reason this is important is because out there right now there is a force, there is an influence that is distorting the word of God. You're not going to be in a position to believe God and do. You're not in a position to be a believing believer if what you're getting is not the pure, unadulterated seed of the word of God. Any combination of other voices and influences will water that down and you won't experience God's best in your life. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, verse 2, Paul said, Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Now, first of all, he's affirming we don't distort the word of God, but he was also admitting that other people are. That's the reality. Not just in the media, not just in government, not just in entertainment, but even in the house of God, the word is being distorted. You have to make up your mind that you want to hear without distortion. Now, distortion means to change or twist or exaggerate that makes something appear different than the way it actually is or is supposed to be. It means misrepresentation in facts or reality. It means false, twisted, deformed, or misshapen. Think about wicker furniture. How do you make the furniture? It's by the twisting of whatever compound you're using. Now they make them out of plastic. How many of you remember when they're actually made out of wood products and wicker? That's what's going on is the distortion of the communication of God to his people is, is in fact being twisted by all manner of sources and voices. And yet I hear the word of God ringing out in Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2. If we hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord our God, these blessings shall what? Come up on us and overtake us. If we hearken diligently unto him and his voice, then we're going to see a supernatural increase in our lives. But notice that that coming up on you is tied not to every voice that's out there. It's tied to what? A single voice. And I won't be covering all the voices that are out there distorting right now the word of God, but some may relate to you, some may not relate to you at all. But I can tell you this, if you want to see the blessings come up on you and live the best life possible for God, you're going to have to tune into that one voice. There's one way, there's one truth, amen. There's one life, there is one source, there's one voice, and that's the one you want to pay attention to. Now, 
It's when we truly listen that God can open our hearts. I love the scripture in Acts chapter 16, verse 14. It says, one of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. That means, first of all, she's a businesswoman, very successful, dealing in a very specific kind of cloth that was very expensive. And it says she, she was a worshiper of God, which means she had been influenced by Judaism and accepted that there is one God. That's one thing to say that. It's another thing to transition into faith in the one that God sent, his son. Now, now listen to this. She was a worshiper of God, and the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. Lydia was listening, and God opened up her heart. Can I tell you something today? Right now, if you're listening, God can open up your heart. If you're dialed in today, one word from God can change your life forever. I've seen it happen in my life. I've seen it happen in countless lives of other people. When they're really dialed in, look at somebody and say they're really listening. How many you know the body can be here and sometimes we're not actively engaged in listening to him? But when you listen, he opens up your heart and amazing things can happen in your life. The problem is we don't live in a sound vacuum. There are all kinds of distortions and they're trying to get you to filter out or obstruct the pure word of God. Matthew 13 says this, verse 16, But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see but did not see it and to hear what you hear but did not hear. And that's why Mark 4 tells us to take heed what we hear. The measure that we meet or the, the degree that we actually take it in is the degree to which we're going to be, you know, harvesting off of that word. It matters what we're doing. I remember Keith Moore telling this story about a young man who was in a terrible situation. And about the time the spirit of prophecy came on the speaker, a back door began to open up. And instead of focusing on what the man of God was saying that would have delivered him from that situation, he said, I remember it like it was yesterday. That young man turned his head back towards, you know, the door. And he didn't turn back around again until the prophecy was done. That's exactly how the enemy works. I'm telling you today, your pot roast will wait. I don't care what great plans you have for lunch. Nothing is more important than we dealing with things that are trying to distort the pure word from coming into your life. Well, I got this talking to me. I got that talking to me. And my body's talking to me. And my finances are talking to me. And my belly's talking to me. Tell them all to shut up. What God has today is more important than listening to all those other voices that are all carnal and temporary. Yes. You fill that belly up, and guess what? You still got the same problems you had before you filled it up. For some of us, filling up is the problem. Moving right along today. <laughs> During World War II, and understand this, we had the best collective intelligence gathering anywhere in the world together with Great Britain. And yet, right before Pearl Harbor, the Japanese flooded the airways. They flooded, you know, uh, you know, all means of communication with ideas that they were moving ships here and moving ships there and they had activity here and they had activity there. We didn't have a clue where they were actually going. There were only one or two people in the entirety of the US, U.S. military who thought that, that Pearl Harbor would be attacked. You want to know why? Because of all the chatter that's out there. 
It was an effective strategy back then, and guess what? The same devil that inspired it then is inspiring it now. And you have all this chatter going on. It's impossible to, to, to weed it out without the deliberate you know, decision of the believer and the help of the Holy Spirit. Somebody said, I want to hear God. Not all the chatter. Say it again. I want to hear from God. Not all the chatter. See, this is incorruptible seed, and if you plant it in your heart and let it grow, great things are going to happen. But if you add all these other voices to your heart, you're not going to see the kind of harvest that God wants you to have. And I'm telling you, they're out there. And I wish they were just out there in the media and the world so we could say, just stop listening to the world. But that's not the case. They're also in Bible studies, and they're in pulpits, and they're in books, and they're in YouTube videos. Dear God, it's all over Facebook. You need to do is hear from God. Amen. Because the enemy is flooding your minds and your hearts with chatter and white noise to intentionally distort the word so you don't get the fruit from it that you're supposed to get. Amen. So let me go through these uh, today and then help you learn how to identify them and also just uh, gain victory over these influences in your life. But how many have a teachable spirit today? Raise your hands. I am teachable. I am pullable. <laughs> that's, that's pliable. Hallelujah. Say, I am pliable. I am not implodable. <laughs> it's important to be teachable, isn't it? Amen. Number one is distortion of the mind. Right now, there's an influence in the body of Christ that is exalting mind over Scripture, intellect over the Word education over what God would say. It doesn't have to be that way. In history, some of the most brilliant minds had submitted to Jesus Christ, and they did great things. But they sit in judgment over the Word. Nicodemus bent that way. He came to Jesus at night, and he had a hard time understanding how a person could be born again. Because he'd be looking at these things through the intellect and through the mind instead of the, the Word of God. The problem with the mind is the mind will rationalize the way that dictates in the standards of the word and set aside a, a world-centered worldview, a word-centered worldview instead of operating according to this world. Everybody say it with me. My, my, my scripture, my Bible, the word of God is the basis of my worldview. Now, how many know it's a confusing word out there? And you're being assaulted with all kinds of ideas and opinions. I'll give you an example. Uh, Bruce slash Caitlyn Jenner decided they're running for governor of California. Uh, that's anybody's right to do. Very famous case of, of trans in our country. And I'm going to show you right now why it's so important for you to stick to the word of God. Every cell in this person's body is male. Doesn't make any difference how long the hair is, fingernail polish, makeup. Don't make any difference if it's wearing a dress. You say, why are you saying it? Because I ain't sure anymore what anything is. <laughs> so I'm just going to use it. Sue me. But it doesn't even believe it's a woman. 
and the way I know that it doesn't believe it's a woman is when asked about should trans men compete in women's athletics? Its answer was absolutely not. Watch this. He said it's not fair for biological men to compete in women's athletics. With one statement, he completely contradicted everything that he's been doing for years. Now that said, he would still be better than any Democrat that ran. Just kidding you. Your, your decision is, I can be pushed around by this world, by the intellectuals, by everyone that claims to be woke. Jesus said you claim to be woke, but you're still asleep. Or you can be enlivened by the word of God and woke up by the word of God. There are example after example after example of Christians who are being bamboozled and led down this so-called primrose path because they are believing that God's highest command to you and to me is a thing called tolerance, and it's not. It's a thing called repentance. Yes. Repentance from what? From a standard that has been avoided and violated to a standard that we now embrace in our hearts and our lives. Are you here? Does God love everybody? Yes. Watch this. The whole trans issue is not a biological issue. It's a mental issue. And it is principally a spiritual issue. And you parroting what the world says, and you in the name of tolerance, maintaining your indifference, you're not helping the situation. You don't hate anybody, you love everybody. Amen? But this is how the pure word is being distorted by going after you mentally. Amen? Look at somebody and tell them, I'm going with the word. Say it again, I'm going with the word of God. Number two is the distortion of religion. You got to use a certain Bible version or you're going to hell. God won't use women. God dress a certain way. Got to look a certain way, and if you don't conform to all these external legalistic standards, then you're doing it all the wrong way. And listen, you may think to yourself, I don't have any Phariseeism in me. I don't have any religion in me. Let the Holy Ghost be the judge of that. Because this will distort your ability to believe God. Luke chapter 15, the scripture says, One day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house and lay him before Jesus. And you know the rest of the story? They got him before Jesus, and what did Jesus say? Your sins are forgiven, and it freaked them out. Who has authority to forgive sins but God alone? Jesus says, so that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority to forgive sins. Rise up and what? You see this? You know what's the saddest part about this scripture? It says the power of God was present. I'm going to go out on a limb and say there was some old Pharisee that needed something healed. And yet it was the one they claimed to be a sinner that actually received that day. In John 1, 46, 
You understand this, that the reason they could hear but not receive is they did not mix it with faith. That's what religion does. In John 1, 46, Nathaniel said, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nazareth, of course, of Galilee. Nathaniel asked, come and see, said Philip, but Nathaniel came around when Jesus saw him under the tree. Now, what's the point of this? Watch this. Galilee was not just geographically far from Jerusalem. It was considered spiritually and politically inferior. They were not pure faith. They did not pay attention to the law and the traditions of men. They were less biblically pure than those in Jerusalem. There's an automatic judgment against people that came out of Nazareth. Look at somebody say, that is religion. Well, uh, you're... You're not of us. You're not from our denomination. You're not from our persuasion. For, and somehow, you know, you're less than everybody else. You can't be as cool as we are. We see people do this all the time. That man who has uh, the corporation he was in, he was at the vice presidential level. One day he just disappeared from the church. And I called him up and I said, what's going on? And uh, he said, oh, I'm nothing. Everything's just cool. I said, uh, so... Tell me what vision has led you out of the house of God that you said God told you to go to. And he got real quiet and he said, Art, you ask really hard questions. Can I help you out what it was? This was not politically correct for his career. Tongue talking, word of faith, hand clapping, devil casting out of is not sufficient for the pathway that he was on. And that's an exception? No. There are people that will choose a church based on how, big, how they can build their business in that church. Which is anathema to begin with. To use God's people to build your business. You should trust God to build your business. Amen. What is all that? It's just religion. Not led of God, not directed by his spirit, not operating in his word, just religion. In John chapter 7 and verse 50, Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and was one of their own number, said, does the law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he's been doing? In other words, he's defending the Lord here, saying, shouldn't you hear him first without condemning him? And here's what they said, are you from Galilee too? What was that? You're acting like an inferior Galilean, Nicodemus. Who do you think you are? And they said, look into it and you'll see that a prophet does not come from Galilee. There's a prophet named Jonah that came from Galilee. Religion will even stumble on its so-called knowledge. And if you allow this stuff to get in, it's going to you know, diminish your ability to actually hear from God. This religious spirit is super spiritual, the tendency to close their ears to anyone or anything that is deemed inferior to them spiritually. And that's not the way you want to be. How many know you can learn from a child if you listen? Yes, amen? It's often the case with the devil's lie that tells the believer the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. Child of God, do you know why the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence? Because that's where the septic tank is at. <laughs> and here you are going to 
going to upend everything God's trying to do because you like the shade of green. Not knowing it's built on filth. My God said he'll lead me beside what? Still waters and green pastures. He don't need your help. I just, I saw a video the other day and I, I busted out loud and I had to post it because somewhere around the world this young man took a strap to, to pull a sheep out of a little ditch. It was very, very narrow and this ditch went all the way along the fence post line and he, he got him out, put him on the side and then that sheep went and jumped and then 15 yards down the road jumped right back into the same ditch, just disappeared. And I said in my post, I know that person, I know that sheep. I, I have pastored that sheep. What you going to do? Get the strap back out and try to load them out again. Because there's no power in religion. Man born blind gets a supernatural healing from Jesus. Well, who is he? Well, the man. Next you know, he's, he's a prophet. Next you know, you know, he's getting bolder. He's saying, well, it's amazing you don't know who he is given what he did. And those Pharisees, look at them, I say, those Pharisees, they looked at this man and instead of rejoicing that he can see now, how marvelous, how wonderful, they said, you were steeped in sin from birth. How dare you lecture us? Let me tell you something. If they listened to him, their whole world could have been changed right then and there. You can't afford to let religion or your mind distort the word of God. Closely related to the distortion of religion is the distortion of tradition. You should never have more respect for a human rule than you do the word of God. Ever. <laughs> I mentioned this, that one day Kelly was speaking for me here, and she wasn't using the King James Bible. Worse yet, she was a woman. Still is. <laughs> I personally appreciate that fact. I do. No. Yes, amen. And uh, this, this fellow jumped up with his King James Bible in his hand, and he, <laughs> he marches out the door, offended by the lady in the pulpit and the fact that it wasn't a KJV. And I like all translations, don't get me wrong. But I mean, out through the door, and one of our wise church members just opened up the door and smiled and said, have a nice day. That's all you can do with the spirit of religion. <laughs> Let's practice. Have a nice day. But don't be infected by it. Guy came to my office with his little tradition. Years ago, we were still over in the domes, and Oh, what version of the Bible do you preach and teach at? Well, you know, multiple versions. Well, what ones in particular? Well, what do you use? The King James Version. It's the only version. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? That's the one that Paul used. <laughs> First century, 1600s. Do you see how stupid tradition really is? And I said to him, now you, you, you seem like you spend a lot of time on this issue. Oh, yes. Would you say you spend hours on it daily? Oh, yes, hours, hours, hours. 
I said, have you ever talked to somebody about Jesus? Stone silence. I'm going to focus on my tradition and not even what that King James Version says. Go ye therefore. Amen, church? Amen. <laughs> Second Timothy, uh, rather, in Mark, uh, uh, actually Luke chapter 13, we'll get there eventually. <laughs> this story of this woman with an issue, a long-standing issue, and Jesus commands her to straighten up. The problem is, in the traditions of men, he did it on a Sabbath, and according to them, it's not correct. And that's when he said, didn't I see you all taking your animals out to give them water? And yet that's okay, but this covenant child of Abraham, daughter of Abraham, doesn't deserve to be healed of what afflicts her. Satan hath bound her and Jesus freed her. How do you know when Jesus gets to movement, he's not going to check with our traditions? Amen. He's just interested in doing what he is called to do in, in us and through us. Mark chapter 7, listen to this. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the traditions of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? It simply means they hadn't washed their hands before they went to the table. You know, something you were taught to do when you were probably three or four or five. He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, as it's written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. That's the essence of tradition. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. And then he continued, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your traditions. Another translation says this, you make the word of God of none effect. With that distortion, you make the word of God of none effect. God has not called you to keep traditions. He has called you to keep the word of God. But it comes in to distort what we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do. Now, I do think it's a good idea to wash your hands. Especially after you go to the potty. And you shouldn't need COVID to tell you this. Hallelujah. Point, someone say, wash your hands whenever you go potty. But they were so concerned about these disciples washing their hands, they hadn't considered the fact that they needed their hearts washed. Better have a clean heart and dirty hands. Amen? Than clean hands and a dirty heart. Number four, the distortion of myths. That's an idea or story that's believed by many people, but it's not true. It's a myth. Paul warned Timothy about this in 2 Timothy 4.4. 4. He says, they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. If that's not a possibility, Paul would have never warned us. In the body of Christ today, people will turn away from the truth and turn their attention to myths. Stories that are widely believed, but they're not true. From the origin of the universe to modern mythology, including alien, alien abduction and conspiracy theories, we're seeing it right now. For example, during the last election cycle, 
Yes, there were prophetic utterances that obviously got things wrong. But more, more concerning to me are people who lived and hung on the word of certain conspiracy writers, some of them anonymous. And so much so the people of God in church after church bought into this stuff and were pushed away from the pure word of God to follow what became a myth. Not realizing they were completely manipulated at the process. Now, you don't have any business messing around with conspiracy theories. Stick to the word of God. And I can tell by your silence, you need me to preach on this more. 99.99% of the prophetic voices in this land prophesied Trump would be reelected this term, and they got it wrong. Jumping off of that were lots of people into all kinds of conspiracies. Now, let me make myself perfectly clear. Do I believe that all votes were counted accurately throughout the land? I do not believe that. But that does not mean my job becomes as a child of God or crusader and be diverted off of what I'm supposed to be doing. Which is what? Preaching and teaching the uncompromised word of God and all of us living this. Now, if you got sucked into this stuff, pastor, what do I do? Repent. Because what happened is you began to believe something that was widespread and yet wasn't true. Every day in our classrooms in 6th and 7th grade of science, our kids are taught something as true in fact, and it is not true, and it's not fact. The universe was completely crammed into a marble-sized element, and then it exploded. And that's how you and I got here. The in, that takes more faith than believe that Mary had a baby without a man. It is not science, it is religion. They're taught every time they go to school that we came from a lower life form. Somehow, a little bitty single-cell organism landed in the ocean, got tired of just floating around, sprung some gills and some fins, made his way to the shore, decided, I want to walk on land. Sprouted some legs and arms, began to walk on land. Wasn't satisfied with that, so sprouted some wings. Eventually began to walk upright. Amen. Began to look like a Neanderthal. It's a, it's a great story. Man's attempt to make sense of things because we must make sense of things because we don't like God's plan because God's plan comes with accountability. Yes, if I genuinely came from an ape, then God has no say-so. On the floor of the U.S. Congress recently, a congressman said the will of God has no place in this chamber. And I said, you have no place in this chamber. I said to myself, I, you do look like a Neanderthal. You're absolutely right. You did come from a chimpanzee. Now swing on out of the house, amen? Get on out of here. God has no business in the house. Let me tell you something. God is getting ready to sweep that house. 
Whether they like it or not, whether the myth, myth, myth tellers like it or not, this nation was dedicated to the glorification of the Lord Jesus Christ and the advance of the gospel from its inception, and God will honor those words. I said, God will honor those words. It is time for a house cleaning. The will of God has no business in this chamber. There's a time in this nation, I wouldn't care if they call themselves libertarian, Democrat, Republican, whatever they were, they would never let those words come out of their mouth. So far, this nation has fallen. Myths. Turn to somebody say, stay out of golden myths. This is how we fall into what I call the golden calf syndrome. All you have to do is set aside the word of God and you're capable of setting up some other myth no matter how stupid it is. Amen? This universe got here at God's command. You were created by God. You did not come from a monkey. Well, that's your opinion? No, it's not my opinion. There are no transitional stages in the fossil record in this world. They don't exist. I asked a man one time who was an anthropologist and, and really pushing hard against the Christian narrative. I asked him, I said, okay, you believe that there's a half man, half ape creature that walked this earth? I asked him, I said, how many of them do you think walk this earth to allow this transition to take place? He said there would have been 500,000 to millions of them. I said, where are they? Where are they? Come on, say it together. Myths. Lots of people believe them, but they're not true. Your job is to focus on the Word of God. The way our young minds in college and high school are being assaulted, it's a wonder that any of them can get past any distortion these days. It is deliberate. You know that 65 to 70 percent, depending on which poll you take, of young people in this country who think that socialism and communism is a good idea? Something that has never worked ever. What is, what is the socialism narrative? It's a myth. Has never worked, never will work. And it should be obvious to people why it won't work. If you disincentivize people to work and raise capital, eventually the socialist government runs out of what? money because it doesn't grow on trees and doesn't come from the government. The government. <laughs> it comes from the people. Amen. Come on, say it, miss. I'm just pointing out to you that we're looking for great harvest. I said we're looking for supernatural increase. We're looking for the hand of God, aren't we, church? We're looking for the glory to fall. Amen? We want the real deal. We want true riches to manifest. Amen? In our midst, we can't afford to let ourselves entertain any of these distortions in our life. Say it with me. My mind is not over the word. Religion, tradition, myths, I reject them in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor, how many more distortions do you have? 45. <laughs> yes, just, just 45 more. 
That's why I told you to forget about your pot roast. Just let it burn for Jesus. Offer up your pot roast as a sacrifice to the Lord. A burnt offering. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Number five, distortion of desire. This is body driving hedonism that's infiltrated the church. In Judges 14, 3, Samson's parents said, Samson, what are you looking for a hussy among the Philistines for? Why don't you get involved with somebody who's a covenant child of God? And you know what he said? Mom and dad, I hear you, but I reject what you're saying. I'm going to go follow this person. I think she's the perfect one for me. Do you know what? He would have never lost his strength, his eyesight, or his life if he'd listened to his parents. It all came from dishonoring what his parents had said. And every parent said, Amen. and every young person said, oh me. Lost it all because he wouldn't listen to mom and dad. They don't know nothing. Same thing happens with people in the church and spiritual mom and dad. They don't know nothing either. I can't tell you how many people I've seen lose their spiritual strength, get their vision poked out of their eye, and their life destroyed because they wouldn't listen to a word in time. Amen. Desire will push you. First John 2, 16. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and what? Pride of life. We know these things don't work the righteous life that God desires for you and for me. Genesis 3, 6. Eve said it's pleasing to the eyes, good for food and desirable for wisdom. How do you understand God will direct your eye? And God will take care of your food needs. Amen. If you want wisdom, just ask him for it. You don't have to disobey God to get wisdom. Everybody say, yay. You don't have to disobey the word to get wisdom. Just ask him for it. Amen. Moving right along. Number six, the distortion of emotion. Well, I'm on fire for God, Pastor. I'm on fire for God. Amen. I'm going to raise the dead and cast out devils and run around. And the first time your emotion goes south, it compromises everything spiritually that you want to do or be. Because that distortion comes in and clouds your judgment and pushes the word to the back burner in your life. The rich young ruler went away sad. King Saul got angry. King Uzziah got furious and lost everything. You're not called to be emotion ruled. Amen. I've only said this about 10,001 times. 10,002 coming right up. God gave you your emotions to experience life, not to run your life. God's word says this, and you feel this, it's time to put your feelings away and live the way God would have you live. Amen. Praise God. Say it with me. I'm done with that. I'm spirit-led, word-ruled, not emotion-controlled. Amen. <laughs> Does this happen a lot? 
Yes. Spiritual maturity does not equal emotional maturity. Both are necessary to keep you on par. Amen. Just because you feel like saying something doesn't mean you have to say it. Amen. Just because you feel like crawling into a hole doesn't mean you should. Nobody knows. Nobody cares. The trouble I've seen. So you crawl in your little hole, and then you wait to see if anybody's going to call you. I knew it. Nobody cares. Nobody loves me. So you crawl deeper into your hole. You know what you should be doing? Calling out to God, not waiting for a human to call you. Because you will never get to what God has for you by being ruled by your emotions. To feel something strongly and then go with God anyway. To want to knock somebody's block off, but you love them instead. Uh, Raise your hand if you ever felt like knocking somebody's block off. And that was just last week. I just think we need to stop right now and have an altar call here, you know. A bunch of people need to rededicate their lives to the Lord. We'll just rename this message Anger Management. (laughs) You got to make up your mind. Don't be like Saul. Don't be like Uzziah. Don't be like the rich young ruler. Don't let an emotion take you out of God's plan. Amen. Pastor, when are you going to stop telling that? When I stop seeing it? We're going to stop preaching that. When I stop seeing people doing it. Just because somebody preaches on something doesn't mean somebody's going to live that way. (laughs) It's your choice. Pastor, you're always up and always ready to preach and everything is just hunky-dory and fine and dandy. Sometimes there's a whole list of people I like to deck before I step into the pulpit. And occasionally, I want to take a sabbatical. Permanently. (laughs) This idea that somehow we that preach the gospel aren't human. We're as human as you are. We're just a few steps ahead of you, saying this is the way, walk ye in it. Amen. Follow me as I follow Christ. To the extent that we follow Christ, that's a good arrangement. And that doesn't mean that we don't have, are not subject to everything else that's out there and have to practice what we preach. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. That's true for me, and especially true of Kelly. <laughs> we make a good team. Amen. Just make sure that both of you aren't having an emotional fit at the same time, the same day. One of you goes in the ditch, the other one needs to help pull them out. Instead of crawling in there with them. Number seven, distortion of the will. Simon was a zealot. He wanted the immediate overthrow of the Roman government away from the Jews. Judas had a very similar mindset. I don't doubt that these two probably talked along that line. And eventually, I believe with all my heart that Judas wanted to push the issue. One of his motivators 
were betraying Jesus was to force his hand into doing something that God was not going to do at that moment in time. And when that led to his death, he became remorseful, of course, and tossed back the 30 pieces of silver and hung himself. But can I tell you this? It's not about what you will. It's not about what you want. It's the pursuit of his will. It's thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And if you're not careful, every day of your life, you will pollute and distort the word of God with what you want. Amen. The devil tried this trick on Jesus. In Matthew 4 and Luke 4, and what did he do? I'm not falling for this. He pulled out the word of God like a sword and used it on the enemy. Amen. Number eight, distortion of experience. It is nearly impossible to talk people down from some so-called spiritual experience, even if it contradicts the word. They listen to their experience as God, but not the word. Joshua and the people of God were told, don't enter into a treaty with the Gibeonites. The Gibeonites supposed they were next on the list of destruction, so they sent a delegation out about 10 miles away, old clothes, moldy bread, to pretend that they were far away and no threat to Israel. And here's what the scripture says. Even though they were told, make no treaty. You say it with me, make no treaty. That doesn't mean make a treaty. It means make no treaty. The Bible says they sampled their provisions in the natural, but they did not inquire of the Lord and made a treaty with the Gibeonites against the will of God. Why? Their experience told them this is safe to do. Listen to me. Your mind, your will, your emotions under the word of God are, are wonderful, wonderful, and powerful. But if they deviate from the word of God, they're going to lead you astray. Your senses are given by God, but not to run your spiritual life. Your experience. I believe in the supernatural. I believe in the fivefold ministry, you know, you know, gifts to the church of Jesus Christ to equip us and prepare us. I believe in miracles. I've seen so many of them. I believe in all the gifts of the Spirit, and I believe that God does things sometimes that are unusual. But when you begin to make those experiences elevated above the Word of God, you've got a problem. Let me out here. Someone caught up to heaven in a vision like Paul, I can understand them conversing with somebody that's gone before them. But an awful lot of the experiences that are communicated in the name of the Lord are people who had dead people come down here and talk to them. One's biblical, one is not. I'll take a better amen than that. I said, I'll take a better amen than that. Your word of knowledge, word of prophecy, your tongue, your interpretation, your dream, your vision is inferior to the word of God, and it always will be. And if you're not careful, you let that stuff come in. And now you're being distorted in your believing and wondering why you're not seeing the results that you want to see because you're spending time on rabbit trails that have nothing to do with the plan of God for your life. Amen. Do I believe in dreams and visions? I do. Do I believe that God speaks in, in various ways? Yes. But what's the primary way he talks to us and the most authoritative way he talks to us? The word of God. Amen. Glory to God. 
Well, I experienced it from God, and that's just the way it is. Well, God would never contradict his word. One man of God was at a Pentecostal camp meeting years and years ago, and powerful move of God. He said he had a visitation from the Lord in the middle of the night during this camp meeting. Now watch this. This camp meeting was the glorified God. They preached the gospel there, people getting saved, baptized in the Holy Ghost. And he has this experience with God. Everybody say, with God. Say it again. Say, with God. And so there he is in his room, middle of the night. The Lord shows up and says, there is no Father, there is no Holy Spirit, there's only Jesus. And that's where oneness Pentecostalism came from. And all he had to do was what? Open up the Bible and say, I don't know what you are or where you come from, but you're not coming from God. Oh, but it was so powerful. Oh, I felt God. Oh, I felt this. People that are word people talk like this. This is what the word says. Here's the revelation from God's word. People are led by experience talk about, I feel this, I felt that, blah, blah, blah. And the next thing you know, their life's being distorted. Hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people have been led astray by one man who had an experience at a camp meeting. I mean, if you had a vision in the middle of the night and the vision said, your poodle is God. I know the new poodle we've got is not God. And I know your poodle's not God. <laughs> you said it's the dumbest thing I ever heard. It's also dumb for you to base your entire belief system off of some experience that you had. Amen. Glory to God. Where did Mormonism come from? An extra biblical experience that directly contradicted the word. Look at somebody and say, stick to the word. Well, Pastor, I'd never say Jesus only, and I'd never say there's another book, because the Bible says don't, don't add to. Are you here today? Don't add to. Stick with what? Stick with the word. I'd never do that. The same people who would never say Jesus is, is the only, only member of the Trinity, it's just Jesus only, and would say, I would never follow into that Mormonism stuff, or I'd never you know, slip into Islam because the same thing happened with the founders of Islam, the supernatural experience that completely contradict the Word of God, that completely contradict the Torah, which is exactly the heritage they actually share. Watch this. But if you've made your experience of more authority than the Word, you've done the same thing. Maybe you'll only deceive yourself. But maybe somebody else is watching you. Maybe somebody else is listening to you. It's almost as if that Jesus isn't enough, the Word's not enough, the pure things of God aren't enough, they're just not exciting enough. I've got I to find something extra biblical out there to excite me and to make things really, really flow in my life. No, let me tell you something. You need to get excited about God all over again. Have your passion for the word restored to you. It is the only pure God you're ever going to have. Listen, we're in this huge spiritual sea out there. Imagine you're in the middle of the Pacific Ocean with nothing for hundreds and hundreds of miles. And you see this buoy that's five feet away and it's, 
It's a scriptural buoy. And you got to cling to that. By the time you cling to that off in the horizon, 100 yards later, you see another one and you cling to it. But what if you begin to turn your eyes away from the buoys of Scripture to the temperature of the water, to a false horizon out there, or perceived predator, and instead of staying with the buoys, you're out there on your own. What's going to happen to you? You're going to drown. It's happening in the body of Christ all over the country. Amen. Now say it with me. I'm here. I'm here. Say it with a big smile on your face. I'm here. I'm, here. I'm in church. I'm in it's Sunday morning. It's Sunday. Exactly where I should be. But do you know there are still Americans out there that Lord COVID said, Amen. His Holiness Fauci said, Watch this. How easy it was for distortion to push you out of the will of God. Amen. Say it. I'm, I'm glad to be here. We need to be together. Look at someone and say, you're crazy, but I need you. I need you. You're crazy. <laughs> Is there any possibility that Lord, the Lord didn't look down through time and know there was going to be something like COVID? Is there any possibility that this took him by surprise? Then if it didn't take him by surprise, you notice that he never put a little star asterisk in his word. The God of all knowledge, the sovereign God who knew this was going to happen, did not amend his word for this. I mean, it's time for the body of Christ to get back on the word and march forward. But it shows you how easy it is to move Christians. Off of what? Off of the word of God. Now, to supernaturally increase and, and develop like we're supposed to, we've got to stay on what? Stay on the word. Look at somebody and say, don't be moved by what you see, what you feel, what you hear. Be moved only by the word of God. What's the point, Pastor? <laughs> when it comes to believing for supernatural increase... It's the unadulterated word of God, free from distortion of mind, religion, tradition, myths, desire, emotion, will, and experience that produces the faith necessary to receive what God has promised, to receive the results. This means that many of us think we have the pure word planted in our hearts, but often it's distorted, polluted, corrupted, contaminated by other things we have heard. If it contradicts the word of God, what should you do with it? What should you do with it? Throw it out. And get back on what he said. Amen. How many want to believe God for supernatural increase? You can't do if you don't believe, and you can't believe if you don't hear. And you can't hear with all the distortion that's going on. Amen. So why don't you just stand your feet right now?